You're listening to another episode of the Thea Bruja. I'm Bex Carlos, your designated Thea Bruja, working through shadow work. Am I right? It's hard. It's really hard. I'm fortunate enough that I have worked past most of my inner child stuff, which was a lot of you're scared, you're confused, you're being criticized or critiqued for something you can't control, your background, your ethnicity, the foods you eat. Not that that wasn't hard to work through, you know, but now, now we're talking to teenaged Becks, right? (sighs) It's been really hard in my early thirties, you know, to start processing a lot of my teenage trauma and a lot of my unresolved teen emotions. But I realized that I'm also like in the safest place to do that. It's far enough away. I don't care enough about that stuff anymore in the sense of talking to a lot of those people, you know, that for the longest time, the issues, the qualms, the whatever, it just felt like this big elephant in the room because we were all still friends or I cared what they thought about me or vice versa. But I feel now we're so disconnected enough that I can process a lot of my hurt and frustration that came from a lot of people around me specifically myself, because it's like people treat you the way that you allow them to treat you. And I think that that's the hardest pill to swallow is like you just sat there and took it. And it's also so healing. It's so healing. And it's so rewarding to be like, it's okay, we're safe now. Like we don't care. There's something so amazing about becoming this 30 plus meat suit, you know, with a soul that is trying to gain enlightenment. Because I feel like I have become (laughs) a feral version of that childhood self, that teen self, and now I have the disposable income and I am my own person. And so nobody can tell me no, or you can't do that. And it's a really powerful feeling. And in processing a lot of my stuff, right? A lot of that shadow work. I was someone who I went to a lot of concerts. Friends were all musicians, you know, so I was constantly at a basement show, at a concert, at a venue, at a gig. Like that was my life. And it's not that hard to understand why I worked in radio because being around musicians and musically creative people was something I was so accustomed to. But it has its ups and downs, right? I realize now in hindsight, that my friends were my friends because I fed into their glasses and I supported them and I was there for them, but I asked for nothing in return. And therefore, a lot of these people did not know that they should also be filling my cup. And that hurts, you know, that hurts a lot, but it's okay. Like I'm letting it all go. Like I understand that I can like talk about it and work through it. And it's not to say that I hate these people or even really dislike them. I just realized that they don't see me in the way that I see myself and that I want other people to see me. Uh, Sometimes people are just going to have a certain idea of who you are and that's never going to change for them. And that's okay. You know, like there are so many people in the world. Two days ago was International Women's Day. And if you follow me on Instagram, you saw all of the people in my life who are women or identify as femme, 
who inspire me and make my life so much better. And very few of them, right, were people that I knew before the age of 27. You know, like my sisters, obviously, they've become really badass women, my best friend, some other really important women in my life. But most of them have been people that I met after the age of 27, you know, and I realized it's because at that time in my life, I was in a very different point. And what I was accepting and allowing no longer aligned with who I was as a teenager. So doing that healing is so powerful. Many of you, you know, who listen and use TikTok, TikTok is honestly telling me how and who I am all of the time. And since I was someone who was into punk shows, alternative music, that kind of thing, it brought me across Furious Nay, and she creates amazing content centered around what it was like to be a teenager in the early, well, I guess technically, I guess mid to mid to late early 2000s, right? (laughs) It was a beautiful time. I call myself what is the skins generation, right? So people who graduated high school, probably from like 2008 to like 2011. And I would say even 11 might be like pushing it a little too far, right? But we all had a very different collective experience. And the music that was coming out at that time, even like the early 2000s, like, you know, 03 is when a lot of indie rock and garage band revival and the rap game was also changing a lot. And there was a lot more influence. And we were kind of moving past the gangster rap era. And there's just so much happening. It really felt like a renaissance of music. And People were having a lot of conversations about like leaks because we were using all of those music streaming sites, right? This is all to say like Furious Nay took me back to that time. And I'm so grateful for her content because she does that in every episode. And I'm going to stop talking, get into the conversation. Being someone who existed in a lot of like rock music spaces, I didn't always feel welcomed. And maybe that's my opinion of it, but I'm so glad to have. Janae, aka Furious Nay, on the show today. Thank you for being here. Hi, thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Let's talk about your TikTok because that's the platform that you're really blowing up on. What was your first video to go viral and when did creating content really start for you? I started creating content actually back in 2020 and I was just trying a bunch of different things. I was just kind of posting whatever because I knew no one was really looking at my profile. And I just wanted to do it for funsies. And so for the next two years, I was just kind of posting whatever. And you can kind of tell in my timeline, I'm like trying to be like a plant mom. And then I'm trying to do like jokes and stuff and skits. And then I think it was like February of this past year, I was driving home and I was listening to Paramore and I was like going crazy in my car, just thrashing around. (laughs) And I'm like thinking about like all those times with like my mom where she would just be like looking at me like, why, who is this? Is this my child? (laughs) And so when I got home from work, I was like, I'm going to do a song to Paramore and this is going to be so funny. Not thinking that anyone was going to 
see this or care about it. And so I did misery business, of course, and it just took off like faster than I ever imagined. I'm just like watching it go on my phone. Like, wait, wait, what's happening? Who are all these people? (laughs) And from then on, I was kind of like, I could lean into this. It seems like there's, you know, a lot of people that enjoy this. There are a lot of people, especially people of color who are commenting, like I feel seen. And I was like, oh my God, I think I just, I hit a nerve somewhere in the community and the series was born from there. (laughs) The one that really stands out in my mind is the one where it's like, she's picking you up from school and then doing the guitar and on your bed. It's like, (gasps) but also cringe. So cringe. And at first I was like, I'm a little embarrassed, but at the same time, I'm like, well, that's what being a teenager is. All of it's embarrassing. All of it's really cringe, you know? And I don't know where that idea came from. I was like, I just want to film at a school and just go for it and see if it resonates with people. And that is a true story. My friend, I do have a friend named Brittany. She did let me borrow. I think Zoom was just funnier. So I went with that. But she was the person who got me into all of the music from those early 2000s years. Like she's the one. That brings a really good question. Are you more of a Zune or an iPod person? Okay, so I thought about this question just from doing my series. And I always wanted the iPod simply because of the marketing and like the colors. And like, I just wanted one because I didn't have one. And then I got a Zune one year, I think for Christmas. And I was like, wait a minute, this interface is way better. I mean, you have way more features, way more options. And I didn't have like a Mac computer in my home. It was definitely like a Windows computer so it was compatible and so I'm gonna go with team Zune back then obviously the iPhone is like where I'm gonna play all my music but Zune for sure you know what that's fair the marketing is what got me because where were you when walkie talkie man was featured on one of the iPod commercials? there were so many good songs <laughs> there really were yeah they were using a lot of the same music that I was into so I was like okay I'm a sucker for this I got it you know I'm doing a lot of things to fulfill that inner teen because she's pissed you know I feel like I've worked through a lot of my kids shit but now we're working on the teen and she wanted one of the big classic ones that could just hold so much stuff And I'm able to do that now. And I'm like, oh, it's all full circle now. I am the adult I wanted to be. (laughs) Yes, I know that feeling so well, (laughs) especially with the freedom that comes with expressing yourself the way you wanted to when you were a teen. And I think that there are some people who were fully able to dress how they wanted to and act like they wanted to and listen to the music without any type of shame or embarrassment. And then there were people like me who were like very closeted with it. I just... In the environment I grew up in, I just did not feel comfortable expressing myself that way. So this series is very therapeutic for me. (laughs) I bet your inner teen is so happy. Oh, yeah. Did you ever feel uncomfortable? Was that sort of an issue more closeted as far as like music and stuff? Did you feel it was uncomfortable or unsafe or did it just not feel like a space you wanted to be in? It was definitely a space that I wanted to be in so badly, but it felt like... Number one, I didn't really know too many people who were like me when I was growing up, especially in middle school. Like it was, you know, you would see a lot of like white kids that were into corn and slipknot. And I didn't see any black people that were into that. And maybe they were and they were closeted just like me, but it didn't feel accepted. It's also very compared to 
devil worship in some people's families. And, you know, I just knew I could not bring any of that home. Yeah, it just took a lot of time. High school was a lot better. There was, I went to a really, really big high school. Majority of the kids there were Black and then Hispanic. And then I think we had Caucasian kids after that. But yeah, I just felt like there were more kids that were okay expressing themselves. Like we had a good number of Black goths. So I was like, it's on. Like, (laughs) I'm about to get in here. Like you said, you can feel like you're not really welcome or people aren't going to accept it. J. Allen Cross, who wrote this book called American Brujidia, has this term that he uses that I've just like adopted as part of my normal vocabulary. And it's the liminal space because you're not necessarily finger quote enough for one and you're not necessarily finger quote enough for the other. Was that like something you ever sort of experienced once you did kind of find yourself in these spaces? Yeah, yeah. And it it definitely extended outward outside of music as well, because I was also an athlete and I played volleyball. So oftentimes I would find myself in a lot of just white spaces and never really feeling like I belonged. And so that was like a constant. So being, you know, amongst my black friends and family and trying to be black enough for them, especially like my cousins in Detroit, like they did not talk like me. And they actually made fun of me a lot for how I spoke. And then you would dip to the other side and you would hang out in these spaces where there aren't a lot of Black people or they're just people who would look at you as if, oh, like, I didn't know you were in this type of music or you shouldn't be listening to this type of music. You should stick to R&B and hip hop, that kind of thing. I never really felt like I belonged in either circle. And that was really hard. And sometimes I feel like I face that today and then I have to remind myself I'm a grown ass woman and I can be anywhere I want and feel comfortable with myself, you know? That doesn't mean it doesn't sting to feel like rejected by- Oh yeah. Actually, um, I experienced cousins making fun of you thing for how you speak that hits. (laughs) On my mom's side, I'm the only American cousin. So, you know, I got a lot of shit for how I spoke and my accent and not being American enough and not being Mexican enough. And I feel like that's one of those things of the liminal space and not feeling enough is a lot of people experience it. And I feel like there's so much medicine and being able to talk about these things and just being able to like understand. Yeah, absolutely. Like when I first moved to Texas, one of my first really, really good friends, my best friend to this day, she's Colombian and she moved out to LA from Dallas after high school. She went to pretty much an all white high school even though she grew up in an environment where her dad mostly spoke Spanish to her and she was fluent in it, she had like a different way of speaking. And so her and I actually, one of the first few conversations we had was just like not feeling like we belonged in our backgrounds. And we both found out that like, we both kind of would kind of code switch a little bit when we got around our own people. (laughs) I don't know if you do that too. Yeah. (laughs) I just think it's so funny. I was like, I'm not alone. You also did that too. She's like, oh yeah. It's all like survival mode, you know? Like, And I think that for me, when I was a teenager, music was in hindsight, such a way to self-suit. Like at times where I just felt so much, I was just like, I can just listen to music and escape it. And it was, it truly was like my sanctuary. Mm -hmm. Agreed. It's, I think it's therapy. I think it's medicine. I think it's something that can absolutely heal you from the inside out. And it is definitely my first love. (laughs) Yeah, me too. See, I was really fortunate. My first concert was when I was eight years old. How old were you when you went to your first concert? Um, So my first concert was actually, I was in fifth grade 
on a Disney trip with my mom and she's a teacher. She's retired now, but she used to go on these teacher conventions and they would send them to different major cities around the country. And one year they chose Orlando. So she's like, well, let's make a vacation out of it. We're all going to go. She brought me and my brother. And for the teachers, they brought in Mary J. Blige. Like that was my first concert ever and blown away, as you can imagine, like 90s peak Mary. Amazing. (laughs) Okay. That's a pretty good concert. What was your first concert? The Spice Girls. Oh, God. I'm so jealous. Basically, I manifested it. And I think that that's cool because like sometimes little kids can manifest things when they really want. And it's so cute that we don't think about it as that, right? Because I watched the Spice Girls movie. And from the time I watched the Spice Girls movie, I was hooked. I watched that like every day after school. Or sometimes before school, if I was getting ready, and for like a year. Same. I'm a little, I'm a little salty, you know, till this day that Ginger left, but it's fine, you know, whatever. We'll never get over it. <laughs> so I, I got to see them sans Ginger, but I did get to see them one of the best times I've ever had. And, and I remember seeing a drag queen for the first time and being like, "Daddy, what's that?" <laughs> My dad just looks me straight in the eyeballs and was like, "Rebecca, sometimes people are just gay." <laughs> and there it is. It's as simple as that. <laughs> How simple it could really be to talk to children. Absolutely. That's an incredible response, honestly, because it doesn't really warrant why or how or when. It's just, it's some people are just gay and that's it. (laughs) That's all there is to it. I don't know. I think that we need to give children more space to just be curious, treat them, not necessarily like adults, because that can be like, you know, damaging. But, you know, talk to them like they are humans because they're just little humans. Absolutely. And they're a lot smarter than we think, you know, even at their young age, like some of them, like they just like my niece, for example, she is so in tune to what's going on. She is like a major sponge and she just understands the world at like four years old. And I'm like, you have been here before your spirit. This is not your first time here. Like it's got to (laughs) be. Okay, I love that phrase, like you've been here before, but I'm also like, what a way to tell a child all their serotonin is gone so early. (laughs) (laughs) That was a really good first concert for you. What was your, was there a particular moment when you were more of a teenager, when you started to maybe go to concerts by yourself? You know, it was just really fun, but maybe like in hindsight, you're like, that's a little cringe that it played out that way. It's interesting because like I have this vague memory of going I'm from Lansing, Michigan, and in Lansing, we have a festival called Common Ground. I'm not really sure if they still do it. I'm sure they do, but they had, I don't know, do you remember the band The Calling? Yes. Mm -hmm. So they were coming to Common Ground, and I just remember their hit song coming out, and my mom, she like brought me and my friends and was like, okay, me and your dad are going to go over here. You go see that band or whatever, and then we'll meet back. And that was like truly probably the first concert or like show that I was like, I want to go see them and blah, 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 without my parents. And then I would like to say after that, I was also, I was a huge NSYNC fan, never got a chance to see them and then quickly got overtaken by B2K. So I went and saw them, them and Lil Bow Wow in Detroit with like my mom, my best friend and her mom. And that was like the first show that I like begged to go to. I was like crying and demanding to go and see them. (laughs) So like my first rock show really didn't happen until I was probably in high school. That didn't happen. Trying to remember like who the biggest person I saw. It was um, a band called The Audition. I'm not sure if they're still together today. I love this band so much I was convinced like me and the lead singer had seen each other okay so we're gonna be together right like this is we're falling in love but (laughs) 
that was probably my first rock show. We had tons of like local bands, like one band called I Eat Glue. They were like these high school dudes from like this neighboring town of mine. And everyone was in love with them. They were all hot. They all had something to offer. (laughs) It was just a crazy time. Around like 14, 15, like when I was a freshman in high school, I really started to going to shows, if not every week, at least a couple of months. I think that's why now I'm like burnt out a little bit because I'm like, oh, who haven't I seen? I'm telling you, like the comments when people are like, oh my God, we need to go to a show together and be in the mosh pit. And I'm like, I am 33. I am not doing any of that. Despite what you may see in my videos, like I have retired that life. I will go to a rock show for sure, but like I'm not in the middle of the pit. I'm not, no. It's a lot. (laughs) I got an elbow to the throat. I would say when I was like 25, 26, I got an elbow to the throat in the pit during a Google Bordello show. And after that, no more. Oh my God. It's that one time you get punched in the face or something like that. And you're like, you know what? (laughs) I actually want to see the show. Especially after you turn 21, you're like, I'm here to get drunk. Like, I just want to drink my beer. I can't really go in the pit with this. I'm just going to stay in the back and like support my friends and drink. (laughs) Something that I think is interesting about like people of color who like rock music or our rockeros as it's very commonly known. We can like a variety of things, right? Like I don't feel like we exclusively listen to rock music. Absolutely. Yes. Oh my God. In my teens, like the early 2000s. Yeah. Like you had the indie rock scene that was like killing it. Oh, but you also had Daddy Yankee and like Don Omar. And I was just like, I'm sorry. Like y'all can hate this because it's mainstream, but I love this. I just, yeah, I just felt like there was a very particular time in like the early 2000s where like it didn't matter what the genre was if it was a hit everyone loved that song like green day like they took over my school and you had the black kids like jumping and like throwing shit like panic at the disco follow up like it didn't matter what you listened to it only became a problem i felt like when you were playing the stuff outside of the hits and they were like what is this why are we listening to this you know but it's like we shouldn't be surprised people of color we like everything like we're we, yes we go hard for you know r&b hip-hop whatever it is but we like everything else too it's not any different <laughs> And I don't know, I think that that's kind of a benefit sometimes of being in the liminal space because you can like like so many things. I just felt like a lot of my friends who were just white were like, no, I don't like that. That's mainstream. That's gross. I feel like people were really trying to like impress someone when they were like, I don't listen to them. Like they're so mainstream. Like it's so lame. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to go have fun. You can go ahead and be salty. <laughs> that doesn't have anything to do with me. <laughs> I think being able to like a little bit of everything just if nothing else just makes you like a more well-rounded person yeah i think that like yeah we can all have we're all entitled to like the things that we like and not like them but i'm very much a i don't yuck someone else's yum kind of attitude like i would never if this is your favorite band in the entire world and i hate them all i'm gonna offer is yeah i don't really listen to them but i'm not gonna shit on them just because you like them like, it doesn't do anything for me so i want you to be happy i want everyone to be happy <laughs> And also, like, sometimes the thing I really love is when somebody really loves a band and you've heard most of just like the hits or the singles and they can be like, no, but listen to this song, though. And it can really change your outlook on the band as a whole. Oh, yeah. That's happened to me before quite a few times, especially through this series, because I'm like revisiting a lot of bands that I liked or kind of liked. And then I'll go through their like discography and I'm like, oh, my God, I just slept on this band for so long. (laughs) We were just lucky to be early 2000s. There was so much good stuff coming out. You know, the generations before us were just like MTV or the radio. We had so many different outlets to look to. Like, I don't know if you were an OC girl. Like, I don't know if that was. Oh, yeah. (laughs) 
love that show. The music is what made it. Yes. That also brought me into a lot of like California rock, I guess, if that's what the genre is. But I was like, this is so chill. Like, I really enjoy like all this music. And now that music was like really hard to play in front of other people. I feel like the more harder and like more darker the music is, like people are like, ooh, you're dangerous, like respect. And then you play like, you know, the kooks or something and people are like, what is this? And I'm like, no, this is great. <laughs> Don't you fucking put dirt on the kooks. Like, Don't you dare. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you consider yourself to be like a spiritual person or a witch? by any means? I would not consider myself a witch. I don't have anything against witches. I grew up in a very strong Christian household. Somewhat got destroyed in my life around middle school when we found out our pastor was stealing from the church. Surprise, surprise. And it kind of just like broke something inside of me and my belief. And it's not that I don't believe in God anymore, but it made me question everything from that moment on. And kind of forced me to decide, okay, what parts of Christianity do I still want to keep within my life? And what parts am I like, okay, that's not right. Like, let's not do that. But I would definitely say I'm, I'm spiritual, not religious, as us millennials would like to say. And I definitely believe in God and the universe interchangeably. I believe that there is a higher power within this universe and that we can speak things into existence. And yeah, I don't go to church or anything like that, but I definitely believe in something is greater than us yeah i mean i think that there's too many things that just are too perfect too exact oh yeah and i'm with you i'm i don't know how i feel about the whole god in the sense of catholicism and all that but like there's something really powerful about just digging in your family history as much as you can because obviously for a lot of us it's difficult there's so much we can game my i guess spiritual practice or like ruhidia or witchcraft if you want to call it is just about getting in touch with my ancestors my biggest thing is we have seen struggles and had tribulations and this and that so it's like if anybody wants to help us it's the people that came before us yes and as we're healing like our generational traumas and all of these things inside of us i feel like it makes us stronger you know because we're letting go of a lot of things that aren't even ours at this point it's like it comes from beyond us yeah I couldn't agree with you more I feel like looking to the ancestors for answers for guidance I mean I still pray and I don't really try to direct the prayer to anyone specific but I always love that phrase you know the ancestors are always listening and you should really ask for help ask for guidance because that's why they're there that's why they look over us and I totally agree with you on that one the thing is like the more in touch you get with your ancestors the more you really start to feel them around you and hear and feel them speaking to you through like other things. So the reason that I was curious if you're, you know, spiritual or, you know, a witch or a bruja or whatever is because as someone who is so big on music, I wonder, are you familiar of divination by music? Um, I actually don't really know a lot about that. Okay. So as you can do like divination with like, tarot cards, like get messages that you're trying to get. So it's interesting because the term is called canticomancy, but I recently was consulting with someone I know who's like, I guess one of my elders. And she was telling me that the term radiomancy is more commonly used where I was wondering, well, it's like, does that specifically refer to the device in which the person is getting? And she's like, no, she's like, maybe at one point it did, but at this point 
you can just refer to it as a form of doing divination by music, which comes from hoodoo traditions and a couple of other different traditions. But anyway, what you do is, and there's a couple of different ways you can do it. You can do whatever works best for you. But what I like to do is I like to just sort of ask a question out loud to myself or just even like think it, you know, like really focus. And then after that, I'll put in headphones and listen to music. And sometimes like when you really start to listen to the patterns of the song, and like, I think my iPod's the best for doing it, right? Because it's all on shuffle. And then I'll really start to listen to the songs yeah and sometimes it works in a couple of different ways so sometimes just like the wording in the songs will make me think of a specific thing we'll be like ah that's my answer or I'll listen to a song and I'll know it's specifically reminding me of one person or like whatever because it's like oh snaps there are all these memories I have with this person because of this song it really comes down to like what works best for you and like how good you are at noticing signs because the thing is words are spells so songs are spells sometimes just having that information that wording come to you is just like oh wow this helped solve something within me or answer the question that I had does that make sense no it absolutely makes sense it's interesting Interesting because I feel like when I listen to music, I'm not sure if this is actually a scientific thing or not, but I feel like people are kind of divided into two different categories when they listen to music. And there are people who listen to the lyrics first, and then there are people who are listening to the instruments and they're listening to the composition and the melody and the chorus and all of that stuff. And I seem to follow into like the latter part of that. Like sometimes I have no idea what a song is even about until I've listened to it for like the 10th time or I'm trying to like learn the lyrics to it. I'm like, this song is so good (laughs) because these lyrics are so deep. I find that an interesting like concept that like music is a spell. And I've never really considered that until I saw a TikTok where a guy was like, be careful what you're singing, be careful what you're playing, and that you're singing out loud because you're speaking it into existence. And I'm like, oh my God, (laughs) you know, thinking about all the songs that I've listened to in the past, screaming at the top of my lungs. And yeah, I guess like the way I've always really treated music was just through healing, you know, and just having the lyrics either come to you and apply to your life in a way that you just feel like no one else understands you and knowing that there's other people who love this song because they're going through the same thing and they might understand you or just having a certain melody or a certain tone or key be somewhat healing within you when you're feeling sad or when you're feeling upset. And that's why I was so attached to rock and metal and screamo and punk because, you know, as teenagers, obviously we're very angry people and it's that drive that really helps us heal sometimes. I would like to look into more of of what you're talking about though, as far as like having that song show you the way kind of, or you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I didn't notice this before. (laughs) It really can be something super powerful. I feel like most music that I'm attracted to, it's something in the actual instruments that I'm like, this kills me. I mean, you have other bands that will like have like some of the best lyrics and you're like, I don't really like the song that much, but I love love what the message is, what they have to say. And you just appreciate it all for different reasons. And that's why I think it's so subjective. Like people will be like, this song sucks. And I'm like, well, what sucks about it? Are you listening to the drums? Are you listening to the percussion right here in this moment? You know, so I just love those kind of dialogues. You know, at the end of the day, I think that people should just like what they like, be better about not yucking people's yum, especially in the music community. Like I feel like not only as someone who really loves music, like I used to be a radio personality. I've just been around so many people who enjoy music. But the thing that I kept running into a lot of the time anytime that you would tell especially like a lot of 
cis white dudes that you like a band or whatever it's like oh name every album like uh, like did you know that they have this single that came out i'm like no i didn't because i just like the song oh my god you are preaching to the choir right now especially with the series that i have going on it kind of feels like a circle jerk of who can outdo who in the comments and who knows more and have you listened to this and well did you know this and i've like gotten into stupid arguments about when a song came out that i googled just to make sure it was correct and then have some guy come in and tell me oh well it was this and i'm like fact check that real quick and he apologized and then deleted his comment but like yeah you always get someone who wants to like prove how much they like know more or like i don't i I don't know what there is to prove i'm like i just like the song like i don't see any reason to get your panties in the bunch like relax i feel like i became that way a little bit maybe just because i was starting to feel what was being projected at me because i'm an adult woman now i'm like i don't fucking care what you think about me liking this song oh yeah absolutely i'm just like you know it's music because people you know they'll ask me for certain artists they'll do like a request and sometimes I'll indulge especially if it's an artist that I love and I grew up listening to or sometimes I'll do it just because people love that band or that song and I'm okay with that but I'm like I'm not really gonna do any artists that I didn't listen to at all or I don't know at all just because I don't know them and then I'm gonna have to sit here and face a bunch of people who are like well now you're a poser and I'm like well I just want to make people happy I just want to perform just let people put on a show if they want jeez yeah like we don't have to look too deeply into why i'm doing this and all the history about the music it's let's just listen to the song and then swipe (laughs) yeah that's literally all it has to be you don't like it just move on final question yeah (laughs) have you had a concert lineup that just really we were like i have to go to this that just seemed like your ultimate lineup if not what would be your ultimate lineup? I went to Bonnaroo, I would like to say maybe 2019 or maybe 2018. And there was this lineup and I, please forgive me for all of like the artists that I might miss, but like I knew that Paramore, T-Pain, Cheryl Crow, Eminem, Future, and Muse was all in the same day. And I about lost my mind because I want to see all of these people like that you would have to pay a lot of money to go see individually. And I would say like Muse was probably the best freaking show I've ever seen in my life. And maybe it was just the environment that I was in, but I feel like they do something different to their speakers that other people are doing. Like You can feel it all the way in your body, like in your bones when they play. And I just felt like that was like one of the best days of my life, just seeing that lineup of different people. And of course, you know, Paramore killed, everyone killed. It was just a fun day. But if I had like a dream lineup, I mean, if I could see Nirvana, I think that I would lose my mind, obviously with Kurt Cobain, but Nirvana would be an insane show to go to for sure. Just kind of funny because we're kind of on a similar wavelength. I had this thought earlier because I lost one of my ghost iridescent earrings. I'm like, damn, what am I going to do? So I was like, what if I just put like a guitar earring? Could I say it's the ghost of Kurt Cobain? Would that be in bad taste? <laughs> like, It's a tribute. It's a tribute to him. <laughs> as long as there's no like negative connotation to it, I think it's perfectly acceptable. I mean, he loved his fans. He really did. He was such a water sign. And it's funny because I've looked at his star chart before and it's just like, oh, poor sweet baby, you didn't 
didn't have a chance. There was so much Pisces and Cancer and Scorpio energy in there. It's just, oh, man. <laughs> he was just a very mysterious, emotional guy. And I remember recently I was listening to a podcast where they were talking about how something that really impacted him, because obviously he had some substance abuse issues, but he saw a really young fan when he was playing in Rome, like just shooting up. He was just like, fuck like is that because of me and you know like I can't even imagine what it must be like to be a role model to so many people because that happens right like when you're talented and you're in the public eye and you create content and stuff that people relate to like unavoidably people are going to look up to you yeah and I think that like it's not really something that anyone ever truly thinks about or understands the magnitude of when all they want to do is play music they just want to play music and to make a living off of it and maybe you want to be you know cult status maybe you want to be mainstream status but I think it's hard when you're like I just want to do what I love. And now all of a sudden I'm put in this place where I'm a role model and I can't say what I want and I can't really do what I want because it has an effect on people. And I surely don't want how I would try to treat all of like my issues the same way for someone else to do it, especially someone younger than me. And so I just, I feel for people in that position because it can't be easy because all you want to do is just play music and just get that out there. Yeah. For some people, it's a way of like burying your soul and just saying all the things you wouldn't be able able to say so it's so much pressure and I feel like we don't talk enough about the fact that when people shoot up to stardom like that even I mean I feel like with TikTok right like the fact that people can go viral and you get so much like attention sort of out of nowhere like nobody really prepares you for that what to feel what to do like what's the proper protocol for that just as they don't prepare you like how to deal with the fact that you're like yeah. oh I'm on top of the world the internet loves me and then all of a sudden they don't like and it's gone oh yeah I get so nervous about that every day I'm like I don't even understand what I want because when I was first doing TikTok I was like, man, I want this one to blow up. It's so funny. And then if you have one that has like some mild success, you're like, ooh, whoa, 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 whoa. Who are all these people? Like, where are all these people? These comments are like crazy right now. Like, I'm scared. I almost want to delete this. Like, I don't like all this attention. It's just, this is too much. So it's like, I'm loving where I'm at right now. I feel like I have a good amount of followers who I would consider, you know, some of them friends, people that I would love to go to shows with. I try to keep it as a positive environment. I just feel bad for when people like blow up overnight and you just suddenly have all of these people watching you who don't really understand your platform or what you're doing. And I'm sure it's so scary. There's no blueprint for it. it really truly is not. I don't know. I think that like, we're all just trying to figure out this way to survive with all of these different things that are so stimulating and social media takes up so much of our time. So I wanted to share the lineup that I have a lot of regrets. I didn't go. I thought about it a lot. Yes, I would love to hear yours. This is an actual festival that happened that I did not go to. It's called Just Like Heaven Fest. So it was the 2022 lineup. So it was, I'm going to be so frustrated. So Inner Pool, Modest Mouse, The Shins, MIA, Block Party, Franz Ferdinand, Santi Gold, Cut Copy, The Hot. Oh my God. <laughs> Wolf Parade playing specifically the apologies to queen mary album peaches performing the teaches of fucking peaches album peaches i'm sorry <laughs> i know the cribs the ravenettes and the lead singer of block party also had like a dj set i can't I would simply pass out. Oh my God. I fucked so heavily with Block Party when I was in college. Like that was my sh I loved Block Party. That is a sick lineup. Wow. Oh my God. Okay. So that reminds me, I didn't tell you my dirtbag moment. Oh, yes. Okay. I really do cringe about this now in hindsight because you know it's bad when somebody writes an article about it. Let's go there. <laughs> 
okay, I went with three friends and we were teenagers, sophomores, juniors in high school. We got a pretty good spot, like pretty close up to the front. We were in the pit and the music that Block Party chose as their openers was a little, it just didn't seem like the right fit. And maybe that's my opinion and maybe I'm a little jaded. I don't know, but they had like a group called Smoosh and it was like, a girl group they were like younger and I was like okay this is kind of cool like they're giving them an opportunity open for them and then it was like this person who had a projector like one of those projectors that like you would have did in grade school <gasps> would have like been he had a projector had a violin it was an electric violin he was like screaming in it and like there was like, a whole like scene on this projector as he was playing his music and we were just doing all these terrible commentary it's like that's not a microphone and <gasps> it wasn't just me. It was a lot of us, but it was so bad that the Riverfront Times had a music journalist there and they proceeded to write this whole article. <gasps> you know, the show wasn't so bad, but these fucking asshole kids. Okay. I can't remember who found it, sent it to me and was just like, hey, um, you should probably look at this because I've been looking for it. It doesn't exist anymore. But I was like, oh, God, like what I just put it out there. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, that was my teenage dirtbag moment. But no, I fuck with Block Party Heavy. Even to this day, they still have some like really good fucking songs. Oh my God. And it's just funny because you said that like you guys were juniors and sophomores, you said? Yeah. It's like, and it's that time you're around all your friends and it's like gang mentality. It's like your friends making fun of them and then you want to join in and then it's kind of like just for funsies and then you don't even realize who's around you, who's hearing you. And then unfortunately you have an article, a whole article written about you guys. In hindsight, are y'all witches? Because they had so many songs that referred to, they have hunting for witches. They have the song Mercury that talks about all all the things you should not do during Mercury's retrograde, which is funny whenever people are just like, oh, what does that mean? I'm like, listen to the song, listen to the lyrics. You're going to understand. I had to look them up just now because I was like, what was that album that came out? It was Silent Alarm in 2005 that I just played it the fuck out. But I just saw that they have a new album release. I had no idea. You know, that's like a dream interview. If I got to interview the lead singer of Block Party, that'd be so amazing. I have a question for you, actually. So what advice do you have for all of us? Mercury is in retrograde. Okay, well, this year we're all collectively going through it. But this year was an emerald year. So it's like if you do the work, if you actually learn the lessons that you're supposed to learn. Precast, when we were just like Kiki and before, we talked about how like Mercury's retrograde specifically shows you the areas in your life where the foundation is not solid. Because yeah, does technology and everything screw it up a little bit? Sure. But you should also be able to oh, hey, I forgot to do this. Let me do this. Let me whatever. Like before we started, I'd realized, oh, crap, I don't think I sent her the link. Like, let me do that, you know, and being able to just as soon as you realize that something, you know, is within your control to fix, like taking the opportunity to do it. Definitely that. Everyone gets really scared, honestly, about how they have to be very cautious. And it's like, yeah, you should be a little bit more aware. Like definitely think, you know, before you send that spicy text, if you're feeling a certain way, because everything's a little like delayed or misconstrued. Okay. Honestly, the biggest thing you're becoming aware of a lot of things maybe you weren't aware of. Pluto kind of deals with like the deaths and things that need to end. So you might be seeing a lot of that right now. And that one I feel like we feel the most intensely because it's the closest one to us. Other ones we feel less intensely. Like we still feel it. Mm, okay. But it's more so, okay, this is something that maybe has been on the back burner. And I know that I've been needing to change. Whereas like Mercury is a lot more, it seems a little bit more intense. It seems like it's more urgent. 
so to speak. Have a little bit of grace with yourselves. Have patience. Don't feel like you, especially if you're someone who feels like you always have to answer people like right away. That's me. <laughs> me too. I, I like, I think it's an anxiety thing. Be okay with taking yourself out of the conversation in the way of saying like, hey, I'm not really in a space right now to like give you an answer or can I just think about it and get back to you? Creating those boundaries around like things you need to think about and stuff. That's super important too. I am of the school of thought of like, I, and everyone's intuition's a little bit different, but I specifically am based on like feeling. So it's like, if it feels uncomfortable to me, if it feels weird, if I don't like it, like I'm not going to do it. So maybe, you know, if that's not something that you do think about, how does this feel to me? And then proceeding from there. I love that advice that you said to like, just let things just chill for a minute before you decide to answer, because I have never regretted taking time to think things through before responding, especially to different opportunities. Like I definitely took some time to think about doing this podcast because I've never done one before. And this is like a really you know great opportunity to get to know you. And I want to make sure that I present myself correctly. And after a few days, I'm like, I am so sure about this. And I'm actually really excited about this instead of just saying, no, no, I'm scared. I don't want to do it. And just shutting it down. You know, like taking that time is I've never regretted just waiting, really mulling it over because we are such a reactive society. Like there has to be an answer, you know, like that. And I love that. I love that advice. I am not above taking my own advice. And that's one of those things that took the longest for me to realize. And a lot of my social interactions, I just felt like this all would have been a lot better. Like it probably wouldn't have played out this way if I would have just been like, let's take some time to think about this. Like we are coming from a place of emotion, you know, and that's something too, is I am very ruled by my emotions. So oh, yeah, <laughs> that's why like at this point, I'm like, listen, you know, I also just, I'm, I don't know. I just turned 32 like, and so that means my Saturn's return is over. So it's like a lot of different habits and cycles and stuff that kept proceeding like on and on and on and on have started to end. And I real talk feel like, you know, that GIF of Marge Simpson where she like covers her eyes and turns. She's like, mm, it's like cringe. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I feel like looking back at a lot of like things that have happened in my life. It's like, oh, that didn't have to play that way. All of my 20s, every single year, every single year was cringe. Just let's forget about it. Move into your 30s. <laughs> Listen, I just think that before your 30s, it's all like the first pancake, you know, like, you know how like the first one always like, there comes out a little burnt or just a little like gooey in the middle. It's like that. We're just trying to see what works. The second pancake will be better. Absolutely. Your 30s is supposed to be some of your best years is what I've been told. And they're not wrong. The first three years of my 30s have been absolutely fantastic. So I'm excited for you as well. <laughs> I'm having a great time. Like 32 has been good. You know, I think like with any decade of your life, you have ups and downs. You're still like figuring out so many things about yourself, but I'm just so much more concrete in who I am, you know, like unshakable in that way. And I'm just like, yes. this is an amazing feeling. It's great to feel confident in who you are and what you want to do. Like I'm thinking about my platform and what I've done so far. And I'm like, I could not have done this 10 years ago. I could not have done this in my twenties because I was just so insecure and so scared of what people thought of me. And then the closer I got to my thirties and just establishing who I am, I don't care what people have to say about me to a certain extent extent, you know, <laughs> but it was definitely not. <laughs> 
No, I'm I'm with you. And honestly, I agree. I love this phrase that is be who you needed when you were younger. Ooh, yes. Where would we all be if we would have had, you know, someone who really just looked like us or thought like us or, you know, really just made us feel seen? Like there's such powerful medicine in being seen. Absolutely. And that's what really powered me to keep doing this series because, you know, I did get negative comments and I'm like, wow, I feel like this could break me if I keep looking into this. But then you get these comments that are like, I wish... I knew you when I was younger. I wish I had you. I wish I had me when I was younger. I wish I was looking at someone who just didn't give a fuck what music they play. You know, like I also wish I had that person. So I love that you said that. The things we need in life finally come when we need them. Yeah. Listen, we're at a point we've done the work on ourselves. So it's like we're now putting that into the universe. Absolutely. We're only here for a short time. Like you might as well just go for what you want. Because it'll be over, you know, at some point. And you want to be able to look back and say, I went for it. You know, I wasn't scared at all because being brave in this life is it's a huge thing to be. And I don't know, I think that miracles and, and opportunities happen when you start to be more brave and more comfortable in who you are and the doors open up, you know? Yeah. Fortune favors the bold. Nate, this has been such like a powerful like conversation, such great medicine, I feel for a lot of us that just felt unseen or just like we didn't necessarily feel like we should be in a space babes we belong wherever the fuck we want to be you know oh yeah i i loved talking to you i feel like we could talk all night long i, I definitely want to get some more information about you know divination and all that stuff <laughs> yeah i will definitely share that with you because i'm always trying to convert more witches out here it's like <laughs> the more empowered we are the better we can be but for people who love what you're creating they love everything you've said where can i send them to support follow and keep up with you at Furious Nay on TikTok and Instagram. I'm kind of on Twitter, not really. I'm more of a lurker because Twitter is scary to me. And then if I could be so bold, I also started my Fury hero line. It's called Hell Hath No Fury Collective. It's for furious women, women who don't like to be told what to do, women who just don't give a fuck. And they're t-shirts and crewnecks with curse words on them that are empowering for us women. And 5% of each sale is going to be donated to women-powered organizations and nonprofits here in Austin, Texas. And you're also supporting a local screen printing company. So if you're interested, I'm doing pre-orders at shopfuriousnay.com. You know what? And maybe we'll talk about some cool collaboration efforts for the future. I would but love that. Honestly, this was so much fun. She's amazing. Check out the show notes for all the different ways you can support, like follow her on TikTok. She has a line of clothing, Hell Hath No Fury, cool graphics with reminders and just commentary. That's fucking hilarious. Her absolutely the fuck not. I don't know why I don't own that sweatshirt yet because sometimes I really just, I stare at people and think to myself, but why though? Why are you acting like this? Why do you think it's okay to act like this? Not that we all don't have moments like that, but seriously, sometimes I cringe at the way that people act. This was a nice little blast from the past to remind us all that being a teenager is so cringe. And I don't have any children, right? But if you have a teenager in your life, you are the parent to a teenager, have more patience with them because I only can imagine what it is like to be a teenager during this time. Like it was hard in the early 2000s, mid 2000s. And we were just on the cusp of technology being the way that it is now, right? So from these live journal, Facebook, MySpace kids, like I can't even imagine what TikTok and all of these other platforms do to you, to your brain, the importance that it puts on your life. So let's have patience with them, right? 
And I want to reiterate, because we talked about it in the episode, using music as a form of divination. And there's no specific rules for how to do this, right? I would just suggest that if you are trying to get an answer to go in with full intention, like you want to know the answer and just asking it, either taking an iPod and putting it on shuffle, or if you have like a car with multiple CDs, like just letting it spin around and just pick one at random, right? Or if you have one of those little pouches with all your CDs, close your eyes and pick through it and then just pick one, you know, like there's so many ways. The radio, Canticomancy, Radiomancy, whatever you want to call it, there are so many ways to do it. And that's the thing that I think a lot of us who practice magic are waiting for someone to tell us how to do it, right? Like, how do you do this? How do you do this? And there's no, I can figure it out if I just try. You're the witch. You make up the rules. Yes, we should get inspiration from people that we admire and that we respect. But if you're not doing the work to figure it out on your own, myself included, we don't have all the answers. And the thing is, what's best is whatever works for you. So thank you again for listening to this episode. I know there's so many people out there who enjoy music and got so much out of this. And I can't wait to have more episodes to help talk about our inner teen and that little bitch that's trying to get out, you know, with all of those uneasy and vulnerable feelings. We're going to liberate them. Just you wait. Have a good one, y'all. Thank mm-hmm. you.